You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 28th of March, 2021. This week, Paul talks to writer for TV, radio and children's television, Alan Dupre. 104.7 Welcome to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. Paul Jenkins here with you on the weekend wind down. And of course, it's our waffle section where we talk to writers, authors, producers, poets, anyone who deals with words. Uh, we are happy to have them through the door. And today I've got a bit of a living legend. I've got Alan Dupre. He's a British writer. Uh, he's somebody who's worked in television, radio. Uh, he's been a creative originator for one of the most famous production companies in children's television, uh, Ragdoll Productions. He's produced uh, episodes of Brum and Boo Bar and Blips. He's very very keen on the bees uh, and uh, author of of course the porridge the tartan cat series um he's written over 60 books for children and he's joining me on the phone this afternoon good afternoon alan hello there paul uh, yeah that's that's it i sound like i'm about 105 years old um, it, well i was gonna say <laughs> it says career of over 20 years i don't know how you managed to pack that lot into 20 years <laughs> do you know what i didn't really know it's gonna happen i think um I just started off, you know, like you do, you know, uh, writing, and then um, things, opportunities come up. And I'm not saying I've taken them all, but uh, there's been times when I've thought, uh, I'll, just, I'll just go for that. Yeah. Because I, I was a teacher one, um, I was a deputy head, mm-hmm. and um, I've sort of been doing that for quite a few years, and then I had an opportunity at Ragdoll, and that came up, and then I had all the TV work. So... Yeah, that's how it works. You you wouldn't believe, unbelievably, we've been running this segment for around about 18 months there. The number of writers that we speak to, including myself, that, we, that was like, well, I used to be a teacher and now I found myself writing. It's It seems to be there's such a, I want to write a book about the link between teachers and writing at some point or another. We might go into that later on. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just dropping in that name, we, you know, we're talking about Ragdoll Productions here. And if, if you know anything about children's television for the last 30 years, I mean, this is a household name we're talking about. And you were one of the originators of the content there weren't you uh, yes i mean they've got an interesting uh way that they they, they deal with things i mean obviously Anwood is the person who's in charge and um they'd just uh, come off the back of teletubbies mm. and were looking around for a team to to work on brum i think brum had been done about seven or eight years before mm-hmm. and this is this is the start of the millennium we're talking yeah and um i just got at the right time i just wrote to the company and said you know i'd really like to write write for you <laughs> and then and they sent me a te- they 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 got a few of us writers into a room and uh well uh, uh, as well writers i had a few children's books uh, written at that point and um i've done some stuff again and uh teachers would know these 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 publishers yeah there's a reading and scheme in there that we're talking about now <laughs> that's right uh, that's right which is still in schools can you believe is it still so, going my goodness <laughs> yeah because I, I i was in uh, i was working in my daughter's school a few years ago and um and one of the teachers went here and look at this and she rummaged around in the scheme but bought out one of the books that i'd written and it had my name on it and it- i was like oh blimey it but is amazing. Uh, there's, there was. I was going through a reading scheme. It was a, quite an obscure one that Julia Donaldson, you know, former children's laureate, wrote for children's reading schemes for a long time before. Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of her books out there that are, you know, part of that bank of books of learning. It's great. Well, that's my claim to fame, is it? Because but actually, we we started off on the set on on the the first uh, reading scheme. Mm. Um, she wrote one one little little bit of it. I wrote another. And obviously, I don't know what happened to her, but you know, I've done all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. She didn't go very far. That that Gruffalo thing that didn't take off, did it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only, if only. 
We all. Uh, she's just been we, talking to me one night, you know, and going, "I've got this idea for." A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell me you were the you're, you're the mouse. It's based on in the character. It's a, we we all know Alan. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, some. I mean, again, some of these sort of uh, stories that we talked about. You mentioned Brum. I mean, for me, as I, and I mentioned this when I got in contact with you, it's yeah. a, it's a kind of household name in our family. My sister and I were Brum fans uh, as as children of the character. Um, but just just for those uh, sort of listeners who who might be either a little bit younger or a little bit older in either direction who may not have come across it as a as part of their youth, uh, explain the Brum series to us? Well, Brum, I mean, was really this energetic car that was alive. Now, <laughs> what came, al- came alive um, was in a workshop, and when the doors were shut, it's, it's, a, it's a classic um, uh, idea for a children's story, you know, that when the adults aren't around, then uh, characters can play. Mm. And uh, Brum came, you know, came alive and went off into the big town, which uh, turned out was Birmingham. And mm. I think it's called Brum because I think there was a Obviously, Brum is is a shorthand for Birmingham, mm. and I think at the time there was some money around uh, for doing TV shows, and I think uh, Birmingham was a really good centre at the time. They had Pebble Mill, Pebble, Pebble Mill mm. at the time, um, and so they were able to use that um, as a focus and, and shoot the show there as well. So uh, Brum would go around the, the big town, uh, as I say, which was Birmingham, and uh, would have all these adventures. And normally they were they were getting after something that had rolled away, like a runaway ball, mm. or um, uh, been involved in a rescue. So uh, I, I wrote a story. One of the stories I wrote was, a, was called Kitten Rescue. Okay. And it was about this little kitten that um, runs away from Granny Slippers, who's this quite dotty old character. <laughs> and and it ends up on this clock. And then I, I, I'd been watching a Harold Lloyd film. I remember it from when I was a kid. I'm not that old, but I remember seeing sort of, a, 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 obviously, a much later showing of it. Um, and he's these sort of movies from the 20s and 30s. And he's he's on um, a clock face, and the, the, the hand is just ticking down and dropping down. And um, I just thought, wouldn't it be good if a little cat was on that? So we, we filmed it, and we filmed it. And actually, there's a brilliant set that they've done, and a bit of early CGI. And it was um, only about eight foot off the ground. Um, and then we were loads of baskets and a handler and everything. <laughs> and and obviously, then as, as the seconds tick away... Um, the clock, the, the clock's move, hands moving around, and the, the cat might be in danger of uh, plumbing to its doom. And Brum naturally goes and gets the fire engine, and of course, he then goes, gets lifted up on the hoist, and he just zooms himself out and catches the cat in the nick of time. It's it, um, for, for listeners at home. I mean, it, it, Brum for me is a kind of combination of Toy Story, Bagpuss, uh, and and Lassie, all all rolled into one. It's 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 got all of the elements of you know yeah. contains mild peril for children. Um, but but you know, there's always a resolution in the end. He's you know a brilliant, inanimate, you know, non-talking character that you all seem to get behind and love. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> it was very well. I mean, the creation of it was fantastic by the company, and obviously, I just came in. I did. I worked on two of the series. I think I did about ten episodes. Mm. Some of the some of the writing was shared. Um, some of it was just me. I mean, invariably, I'd start with the story myself, um, and then, of course, you what everybody and their dog just jumps in. You know, yeah. it's a bit different to writing. When I write books. Um, you'll get an editor involved, commissioning editor at the start who might like it, and then you're an editor who works on it, and then you'll get marketing team and everybody who, who has a, a view on it, how better, best to sell it and everything. In TV, um, the director really has a greater say, and they always say it's, it's not written until the final uh, edit, Yeah, which, which for a writer 
it's a bit of a curse in a way because you have an idea in your head and and it's yours until the moment you actually put it onto the script and hand it out mm. and then it's everybody else's and you have to i think i had a saying about leave you have to leave your ego at the door i'm not saying every writer does that because yeah. there's quite a few that don't um but it's a lot easier and a lot less stressful and the blood pressure stays a bit lower if you just hand it over and then you let everybody else have a bit of a play um but the di- director they tend to have call the shots you know that's why the baftas you know their names all over it <laughs> um and everything else you know um but well, I, I, was, I was quite lucky with that one it does give us a, a fascinating insight into that sort of how writing for tv really is as you say a sort of team project and and you talked about mm. the the kind of quirkiness of all of this uh, that kind of links us to your first music choice because we always ask people to you know to, to give us three pieces of music your first one's only 47 seconds long uh, and, and 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 it's because you've chosen a tv TV theme as your first piece of music, which I love, uh, and particularly again, this is a, a one that uh, again I grew up with on a, a on a weekday morning. Um, the monkeys, why has it got a special place in your heart? I'll tell you why. Because when I went to university for the first time, um, I'd, had, I'd been in a quite a uh, formal boarding school before that, and before that, I was in care uh, in various children's homes and things, and so it's all quite institutionalised. And this was the first time when. I went out and started doing my own things. And, and the energy and the fun of the monkeys was actually capturing the moment of the time. And we're, we're talking um, mid-80s, actually, not mid-60s, I'm not that old. But there was, <laughs> there was something about it that just um, captured it. And, and it was really weird. Every so often, we'd just hear it. Um, and uh, so it became a little a, a tune that sticks around, you know, when you're doing these things and you're living your life. And obviously it's then recurred over, you know, subsequent decades. Um, and it's just one that when I hear it, it brings a smile to my face. It just never grows old. Here we go. This is uh, Davy Jones and the rest of the team. This is the theme tune from The Monkeys. Dedicated to the Rossendale Valley, this is your very own Rossendale Radio. 104.7 Rossendale Radio and uh, Paul Jenkins back with Waffle the Bite Size podcast and Waffle uh, with Alan Dupre this afternoon and uh, only a short break that time uh, for a very quick TV theme, which was lovely. Um, Now, just picking up something you mentioned in the conversation earlier on. Uh, I know this is something that's very close to your heart. You mentioned about uh, your early life that you were in care for a for a sort of proportion of that time, uh, and that's something that's that stayed with you and is actually an ongoing project with you at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think it does stay with you. I don't think being in care ever defines you. I like mm. to say that you know your past doesn't define you. It's what you do now and and your future. But there was definitely a sense. I mean, I can link it to the writing. When I was, I remember being about. 10 and uh, there were the books that were in the in the children's home that i was in uh, were all anna green gables and the mill on the floss yeah. and little women so it wasn't quite but there was there was um a, a rupert bear annual and uh, <laughs> i remember reading that until the pages fell off and I, and I just thought you know i'd love to be able to be in that world and have the fantasy of it you know and there's magic and there was there was color in it yeah. and everything and so i remember just starting to write stories and I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm going to tell you the type of things I wrote because <laughs> I, <laughs> they, yeah, they didn't, wouldn't bear muster now but actually to be honest just the enthusiasm and, and, and the ability to sort of get out there into another world to take I, I always say it's like entering another universe going through a black hole and entering into another parallel dimension another universe you know when I talk to kids about writing mm. you're in control of, of the place that you're in um, and it's the same with reading. Uh, you know, once you're you're sat there and you're reading someone else's story, you you can enter that fantasy and enter that environment. So I I thought that 
books were very, very much um, an escape from the reality of, of what I was in at that time. And uh, it was very, very useful. You know, I, um, if I hadn't had books around me, I, you know, I think I would have been a lot more stressed. And um, I don't think that I would have gone down the path that I have. Um, I really saw the value of them. It's, it is amazing how when you give children books or, or and particularly reading to children or reading with children or, or discussing oh. books and talking about stories, you suddenly see their eyes light up because they do that thing where they start to live through the characters and they start to, you know, I mean, in your case, you know, picking up a Rupert Bear Amble, you know, you're connecting with a fictional bear, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, and the various other animal characters. But it's that kind of. I don't know, that kind of alleviation is, I suppose, from this is nothing like real life and real life kind of is, is a bit naff around me at the moment. So let's see if it can lift me to somewhere else. And I, I love that idea that, that stories can, can transport us in, in some way. Uh, is that something you try and bring into your books? You, is, is it through your writing that you think, you know what, I want to take you to this place? I mean, we'll come on to, to Porridge and some of the amazing adventures of Porridge of the Tartan yeah. Cat. Um, but, is, you know, does, does, that, does that come into it for you? Yes, there are, yeah, there's definitely um, a reason. Now, I've, 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 I made a mistake in my life, really, in that I didn't just settle on one genre and go mm. for it. Uh, when I, I, I wrote about my experiences in, in, in care in an oblique way with, a, with um, a, sto- a story about two children, one who's 16 and actually one a young adult who's 18 leaving care, which is actually very relevant to now because this was written um, in, um, and broadcast on Radio 4 in 91. Is this Stranger in the Home? It's called Stranger yeah. in the Home, yeah. And actually, um, uh, Gavin Williams and the um, you know, guy in charge of education, Department of Education, they're going to come up with um, a, a new law which basically, or a bill that mm. says that children below the age of 16, I, you know, 15 uh, downwards, will actually um, ha- be in regulated care. But actually, if you're, if you're 17 or 18, you can be put into a, you know, an unregulated place. And, and I just think there's attendant risks with that. Now, my story, my play 20 years ago had the worries of it was one kid who was desperate to be out of, mm. of the homes, another one who was really scared and didn't want to because didn't feel he had enough life experience and and support. Yeah. So we're now in a, in a situation where actually, to, you know, in in not short, uh, you know, very short time, we're going to get politicians debating and passing a bill that means that kids could be in a space whereby you might have, you know, predatory landlords, you might have trafficking, you might have drug use. We know that there are gangs that target, they're actually buying up properties and uh, they're going to be, they sort of rent them out, you know, um, you know, and it's a world that I would worry about for these young children. It's such a tricky situation. I used to be a secondary school teacher myself. and, And like you were saying, at the age of 16, some of those year 11s were leaving and were happy to go and they were well shot of the system. And some of them were really quite distressed about the fact that the the thing that had been carrying them for the last you know 10 years of their life was suddenly going to disappear and it, and it's uh-huh. it, it, it like you say it sort of loses that gray area for people doesn't it those two characters you were describing um and it's interesting the way that you you chose two very different characters to put into that and, and i love the fact that as well that you're writing for radio as well as for television um it, yeah. it's it's uh, like you say you sort of you know don't pin yourself down to one thing uh, i i suppose that just but can you can you write your political views through writing does that help as well i don't think i'm ever i i do it with comedy actually mm. i think um uh, when uh, that that particular play, uh, radio play was reviewed by the Times, and they just said it was it was like the old musical knockabout, 
with the comedy in it yeah and so it's so it can touch a raw nerve you can you can say things that via a joke or via humor that you might not get away if you, also people switch off if it's a little bit polemic and and, yeah. and um you know just bangs on too much so i've always i actually have always put um not morals i would never say that but i've put positive messages within the writing in the books i do mainly sort of because i i, I like that you know, I, that's the way I want to be in my life. It's been more upbeat. And um, and the other thing is, I think kids appreciate it. They, you know, they, they like to read a book and they don't necessarily want doom and gloom with it. You know, well, certainly not, not when you're six, seven, eight. Well, most definitely, you know, you need that, that kind of dual message as you're working through. Um, mm-hmm. Now, now uh, this comes on to your second music choice. Uh, now talk about the most upbeat song that I think anyone's ever chosen anywhere. Um, Mr. Blue Sky, ELO. Uh, reasons being? Uh, reasons being, I think the first album I ever bought was called was Time, which was I think was one of theirs, um, and that was ages ago. And the other thing is that I just love the mix of um, you've got these wonderful harmonies, you've then got sort of almost like opera within it. Mm-hmm. it the tempo and changes go, and it just builds into this uh, just a, a wonderful sense of space. You can close your eyes and be taken anywhere with it, you know. Well, you'll be pleased to know I've got an, an absolute rule here at Rossendale Radio. There's two, there's two, when I joined the station, I said there's two things I'm going to make sure always happens. Number one, I'm always going to play the ending of Hotel California and never speak over it. And the other one is that I'm going to make sure that every time I play Mr. Blue Sky, I'm playing the full version. You're getting full four, ah. four minutes and 53 of this. So uh, so sit back and enjoy, everybody. Here's Mr. Blue Sky at ELO. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It is indeed 104.7 Rossendale Radio here with Alan Dupre. What a great choice of, of your last track for uh, for ELO, Mr. Blue Sky. Um, set us up very nicely, put us all in the in the greatest of moods. Uh, and I'm going to I just want to take something up with you, Alan, if I can, about a bit before we talk about Porridge the Tartan Cat. I'm just going to run this by you. Your 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 TV work. You've got Brum, Boombar, and Blips, and then we've got Porridge the Tartan Cat and the Brawson Bagpipes and the Bash Prang <laughs> Ding and the Kitty Kidnap and the Loch Ness yeah. Mess. I believe that rhyme, rhythm, alliteration, and and onomatopoeia is quite big <laughs> when it comes to your children's writing. Well, uh, you're right because uh, when I go around to events, I do a wordplay workshop, and we're we're looking at all of that. Mm. I do. Uh, I mean, Kitty Cat Kidnap, obviously, that's alliteration. <laughs> um, and I do this thing where, and I, I don't know why, how it started, but um, I remember this, I was in Glasgow, and I was doing an event, there were 400 kids, and they were all waiting to, you know, to, to be entertained. And so you do props, and you, you do silly voices, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But one of the things I was doing was I said, right, okay, um, in the time to say Kitty Cat Kidnap, I want you, uh, I'm going to run from that chair to this chair, okay, <laughs> and back again. So we do that. And then I then say, right, okay, well, we're going to take that a little bit further. So then we use um, another one, like the dastardly dug a boom has done a devious deed indeed. So the wow. kids then say that, well, I'm running across the room and back again. And then there's another one, you know, running across the room. And, and it, was, it was absolutely bonkers. And I thought, why am I doing this? But it, it's become a, a thing that I do in in all the shows now, you see. And at 55, I sort of have to <laughs> get myself ready. <laughs> now, this is, you've missed a trick. Get the kids to do the running. <laughs> and oh, you can... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. That's a very good point. I need to think this through, don't I? I mean, there's a lot of letting web go. Oh, just, just lose you a second on the phone, Alan. Oh, sorry. There we go. Can you, uh, am I okay? Cool. That's better. Yeah, we're all good. There we go. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, wordplay, as I say. I mean, I use exaggeration. I'll just read you a little bit. Hmm. Uh 
in, in one extract of one of the books, it says that the van thundered down the street faster than a speeding elephant. So fast, the illustrator didn't have time to draw it. Sorry. <laughs> so she drew the picture of a slow-moving snail instead. <laughs> and, and kids really get that. They, they yeah. love that sense of... Well, I mean, and also, I mean, I, I put a lot of puns in. So there mm. was... Um, there's a character uh, called Innis Pajamas, and, and the, the, the narrative goes, there was still no mouse or milk the next morning, so Gadget Grandad popped round to see his neighbour in his pajamas. Innis Pajamas had a spare carton of milk, which was lucky. <laughs> and, and, and kids really get it. You know, I'm, I'm not sure publishers always get it, because I have to sometimes say, no, 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 the kids will find it funny. No, no, it's fine, it's funny. Yeah. But I, I was... So I was lucky. I had my my daughter at the time was was about seven or eight, and mm. uh, she was able to be like a mini editor. Oh, yeah! It's always nice when you can you can actually physically put it in front of a child and go, "Is that funny?" And if they're already giggling, you're fine. Um, and and you, you we talked earlier about your teaching, and you used to be a primary school teacher. It's, yeah. I suppose it's easy to go back to those moments and think, you know, what what did make the kids laugh? And and sometimes it's the most bizarre things, isn't it? <laughs> It, it is. It definitely is. And then, but there's all the rest of things that, that that you remember. Somebody was saying to me, "What do you remember most about teaching?" I said, "I remember a really nice, quiet boy, really lovely lad called Michael, who never said a word, never interested in in story time though. Just used to sit there and gaze out the window. And one day, I was reading a story, and he suddenly got really engaged, and he was he kept got closer, and he, he tugged at my 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 shoe, and he was like, and I was thinking, oh." I said, yeah, sorry, Michael. And I thought, wow, he's really getting this. And then he started to sort of pull up my sock, and I sort of looked down at him, and he went, Mr. Pry, I feel sick. And then he went, (laughs) into my sock. And I remember thinking, right, so I had to go to the head teacher. I said, I've just got to go and change. He said, what's the problem? I said, "Uh, squelch, squelch. But I thought, hmm, he's obviously engaged in something, but, you know. But it it is moments like that, and you think, you you know, that that throws lesson planning out the window. It throws the whole day out. Nobody can fully understand what teaching means until they've stood in a room of 30 people and seen a wasp fly in a classroom and seen how it doesn't matter what your lesson plan was, it's gone for that day. That day you're teaching about wasps. So Yeah. Or snow. Snow's the other one. Oh, one flicker of snow and that's it. Everything's gone. Um, yeah. I, we, we, we could talk teaching all day, couldn't we? Um, <laughs> I mean, just uh, if we wanted to get hold of uh, Porridge or uh, or any of your of, of your work, where, where, where do we head to? That's the... Well, I mean, the, the Porridge books are already mainly um, in... Uh, Scotland in terms of the publication, but mm-hmm. they are they can be ordered from from anywhere. Waterstones have got got well, Waterstones, W. H. Smith. Uh, you know, uh, I was going to say borders them, but I think they've gone. Uh, all you know, any any uh, uh, bookshop should have them um, definitely to order, and mm-hmm. uh, they may even. I'm um, certainly up in Scotland. They've got them in, on on the shelves as well. Um, there were six of the books: uh, your pet show, show off, and bash crash ding, and porridge time cat, and the brawls and bagpipes, and, and various other ones, and they are. I wrote them really because I, when I, when I was reading to my daughter, some books can be really deadly, and I just wanted to put stuff in there for, for adults. I mean, in one of the books, there's an oven, and it goes up to eleven, which is obviously <laughs> spinal tap references. Spinal tap, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you either get it or you don't. And you know, and the the editors sort of went, "Oh God, you can have that one." <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, but that's the so, thing is, it, it's it's it can't, it's it's that Simpsons humour, isn't it? It can be enjoyed by everybody. And there's, like you said, there's nothing worse than it's story time. We're doing this at bedtime, and the, and the adult is more bored than the kids. Uh, and actually, when you've got a book that the, the adults can get as, as infected by as, as the children, you're on to a winner. Um, it, it's been brilliant having you on the show uh, this evening, Alan. Thank you very much for for, for some very last minute uh, communication as well for, for getting <laughs> you uh, for getting you here. Yeah. Um, um, what what we'll do is we'll keep an eye out for for when the next uh, series of books because I, I think you've got uh, you've got more books in the pipeline but it's it's in that kind of stewing publishers agents kind of stage which is a very messy yes. stage in writing isn't it yeah absolutely it, it these things can take some people don't realize but it can take um up to you know two years two and a half years and certainly with the lockdown everybody's writing so mm. every there's a whole load of stuff being sent out to agents and publishers at the moment so they've got a lot on their plate and I, and obviously with bookshops closed uh, or you know, uh, online access really only. Um, it's everything's all up in the air at the moment, but it'll settle. And uh, you know, and I reckon you know, give it a bit of good time, and I'll have more stuff out there. But you know, I've had sixty books; they just they come out every so often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, I think the issue is that Facebook told us all that Shakespeare wrote King Lear in, in lockdown the first time round. We all felt we all needed to write some sort of epic play, so we've all been busy. <laughs> um, it's it just as, again, thank you very much for coming on. Can't stop the feeling Justin Timberlake is your last choice. Something feel good to finish? Yeah, yeah and that's literally it. Um, it's just one of those songs that you 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 hear and it gets your your feet tapping and and you know it's nice i've been in the car and my daughter's singing along and i sing along with a couple of the words and it's a real bonding song it's fantastic oh it's a great way to finish this afternoon as well thank you very much uh, and uh, best of luck to uh, to all your things in the future here is justin timberlake 104.7 rossendale radio and there you go. We come to the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. And what a week. Uh, speaking to children's author and television writer, Alan Dupre. It was lovely of Alan to uh, to step up. Uh, we actually only got in contact with Alan just a few days before the interview. So it was it was lovely to, for him to uh, step up and, and give us such a broad range uh, of his writing career. Uh, and I'll uh, certainly be looking out for the next adventures of Porridge the Tartan Cat uh, in the future. My thanks this week, as ever, go to our friends at Rossendale Radio for allowing us to broadcast on a Sunday afternoon uh, on 104.7 Rossendale Radio and of course to Melanie Kemp for all of her work producing uh, and editing Waffle the Bite Size podcast. We will be back with another great guest for you next week. See you soon.